Coming up on This Week in Radio Tech, we're live at the Alabama Broadcasters Association Engineering Academy. we got Professor here, a couple of star students, and a lot more to come coming up next on Twerk. This Week in Radio Tech is brought to you by Broadcasters General Store with outstanding service, savings, and support online at bgs.cc. By Broadcast Bionics with the Bionic Studio, including talk show control, social media, and visual radio. Broadcast Bionics brings exceptional audience engagement to radio and TV. By Angry Audio. Audio problems disappear when you get angry at angryaudio.com. By Nautel, worry-free transmission you can count on with outstanding control, reliability, efficiencies, and Nautel's unmatched 24-7 customer support. Online at Nautel.com. And by MaxConnect Wireless, prioritized high-speed internet service designed for transmitter sites and remote broadcasts. Hey, welcome into This Week in Radio Tech. It's the show where we talk about everything from uh, this old engineer. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> to the... To the Oh, we're going to keep that a secret. Oh, yeah. But Comrade will tell us about Tube, yes? Yeah, just a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kirk Harnack. I'm here in Hoover, Alabama, at the headquarters of the Alabama Broadcasters Association. And this is Larry Wilkins. Hi, Larry. Hello, hello. Professor Wilkins. Yes, sir. Straight from L.A. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's lower Alabama. Lower Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So uh, uh, we'll give a, a quick um, introduction as to why we're here. And by the way, Chris Tarr may be joining us. He says he's out in the boondocks fighting the internet. I didn't know the internet was in the boondocks. <laughs> Sometimes it is the so, way the traffic is. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but Chris may be joining us. I, I hope so. So we're in Hoover, Alabama, at the uh, which is just a suburb of Birmingham, right. at at the ABA, and you guys do something here uh, a couple times a year, right? Right. Uh, call what's it called this week? It's called the uh, ABA Engineering Academy, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we started back in 2012. And we do one one class for radio, and then we a couple of weeks later we do one for television, and then we repeat that again in the fall. So, uh, and you and Frank Giardina, one of the other professors, was here, were here on the show uh, a few weeks ago. That's correct. And I said we're going to come down and broadcast live from the academy, and that was just so exciting. I just told everybody, <laughs> all too. <laughs> we we've got some really cool uh, show and tell. In fact, you, you want to go ahead and hold this up for oh, us, can. right? Can you hold it in the, in the camera range there? Yeah, and it, it's 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 purple. It's purple, and it's a tube. That tube came out of a uh, continental transmitter, thirty-five kilowatt transmitter. You put four hundred watts in it, you get thirty-five thousand out. Wow, that's, that's a lot of gain. Well, that's a lot of now. You don't get anything for free though, do you? No, no, no. no. <laughs> You get 35,000 watts of RF out, but you got to put some DC in. You have to do that. About yeah. 10,000 to do it, I think. Yeah, 10,000 volts. 10,000 volts. And what, five amps or so? Uh, about four or five. Four or five amps? Yep. Wow. And it will do it. And do they make these in America anymore? Oh, yeah. They yeah. do, but this one didn't come from America. No, this came across the pond, and uh, I was trying to get a new tube, and I found this one, and this was actually made over in the uh, uh, Soviet country. Yeah. That's why the... The uh, ceramic is purple. I'm not sure can, why. Can you hold that back up again? Yeah. I can, don't know Can you why. hold that there for the rest of the show? Oh, yes. I'll be glad to. I need my exercise <laughs> anyway. But uh, for some reason, their ceramic material is purple. I have no clue of why that is. Is it? Is, does it have that uh, terrible beryllium in it? <laughs> I don't see anything. I don't. <laughs> no. So uh, I guess we could affectionately call that a Putin tube. Oh, that would work. That's right. <laughs> yeah, this, this works just the same as the ones that's made in the United States. And yeah. although this tube, I'll be honest with you, 
was really hot when I put it in the transmitter. Yeah. I had to pull the drive down. It was oh. making way too much power. Oh, you, you mean it was performing well? Yes, that's right. Well, wow. Plus, it got hot, as you can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was performing really well, and it, it put out so much power, I had to bring the, the input power way down. We've got uh, more show and tell to do on this week in Radio Tech this week, and we've got the uh, the, the students are all here. They're behind the camera, but the, the scholars, the, the people who attended this week, they're all here. They are now ready for a test tomorrow, right? That is correct. You yeah. can just see the knowledge just oozing out of their head, you know. <laughs> and, and the tests are here, by the way, and yeah. I've, I've offered, you know, they, for a small fee, they can take them to the hotel. <laughs> Oh no, don't let Megan hear that at the SP. <laughs> the SP. <laughs> well, what they don't know is we're going to have them up here one at a time. We'll just answer, ask them some random questions. Hey, that'd be good. That'd be good. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, a few of the uh, the people who have attended here today or this week, uh, we're going to find out, you know, what are the most valuable things that they learned here this week? I think that's a, a good thing to know. That's a great idea. Because engineering today uh, is probably somewhat different than it was, let's say, in 1980, you know, 40, 40 four years ago. Well, I would say last week. You know, <laughs> yeah. Technology is changing so fast. And I told the crew uh, this week, I said, it's changing so fast. If you don't keep up, you're going to be behind, be behind in just about a week or, or a month because it does change. Well, we, we, we ought to get together more often then, not just once or twice a year. I know. I change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. It's Kirk Harnack and Larry Wilkins is here. Frank Jardina may show up. We yeah, don't he know. He said he was coming. Okay. Stuck in traffic. He's stuck in traffic okay. with... Uh, also, uh, we've got, uh, we got with now, n not all of them are going to come say hi, but uh, uh, Dominic, Drew, John, Matt, Jed, and Lloyd are all here as well. Yeah, we, we, we normally like to have about eight to 10 in the class. That way we have time to answer questions from each one. You get too many, it's hard to answer questions. And so eight to 10 a class. And we did do one one time, I think you were at, that we had around 90. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was so big, we had to move out of here and go to a junior college. Wow. But yeah, that, there's an auditorium. We right. we did that did right. that one in. Wow. Well, uh, we have some really handsome uh, engineers here. Some of them should have been in television, but I'm I'm glad they uh, got into radio. Which ones? <laughs> <Stop it. laughs> this week in Radio Tech is brought to you in part by our friends at Nautel. We've got a little quick video here, and we'll tell you about the upcoming transmission talk Tuesday. Steve Schoen has asked, is it okay to use an LM34 to monitor outdoor temperature? And if so, how do you protect it from the elements? Uh, Josh, have you dealt with that? Yeah, there are certain board designs. Um, I think CircuitWorks made one that had an LM34 and a few other devices on it. Um, typically, when we've had to do those outside, we would try to do them in some sort of uh, like a plastic project box or something along those lines just to make sure that it was sealed up. You know, you have to put it in, but then you got to seal it up real tight with silicone or some kind of a sealing grommet or something like that. And don't use a black box. I, I had a station that did that. They rolled their own temperature sensor and stuck it outside in a black box and you know, 75 degree day, and it was reading 110. Oh, it's so, it's so hot. I'm like, it's not, you change it. Um, typically the other thing that we recommend is on the bottom, drill some holes. Uh, if you mount it on a wall, make sure you drill some holes in the bottom because you'll have condensation in there and eventually it will fill it up. Not to mention the humidity of the condensation evaporating inside the box is gonna corrode your components. So drill a couple of weep holes in the bottom. Sort of a sidetrack. I walked into a site in Florida once, uh, outside of Largo, near Orlando, and they were off the air 
and we're troubleshooting and the AC, they kept tripping the breaker. And I mean, it's what's going on. So walk outside, there's a NEMA box on the outside, one of our surge protectors, which are not really meant to be installed outside. I open the door and it let about four inches of water out of the box. <laughs> There's your problem. So, so yeah. Hey, you can watch uh, lots of past episodes of Transmission Talk Tuesday from nautel.com slash webinars. They have a new webinar coming up um, on March the 12th, I believe it is. Let me double check that. Yeah, March the 12th. And the topic is the rise of contract engineering groups, not just individuals like I was, but whole groups of contract engineers. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what gets talked about. Uh, Paul Stewart is going to be one of the guests. You know, uh, Josh Bone should be a guest because he's got a contract in engineering group. So we'll check that out. You can go register at nautel.com slash webinars. Hey, it's Kirk Harnack. We are live in Hoover, Alabama, just outside of Birmingham, Alabama. And um, uh, we're at the Alabama Broadcasters Association, the Engineering Academy. And sitting with me here is Dominic. What's your last name, Dominic? Uh, Mitchum. Mitchum. Yes. Dominic Mitchum. And uh, you and I met years ago in New Orleans, didn't we? Yes, you uh, did a presentation at uh, one of those uh, expos uh, for broadcasters, and it was great. Uh, learn, always learn great stuff about I'm that. sure I forgot whatever I talked about. <laughs> uh, I think you were talking about uh, ISDN, uh, maybe? It, or? Uh, that or communications or audio principles, uh, okay. and it was good, good at sound engineering stuff. So, so uh, you were an engineer in what, in Louisiana? Yes, in New Orleans. Oh, yes. in New Orleans, okay. But now you've moved uh, close by here in Alabama. Yes, I am the uh, director of engineering for Cumulus Media in Huntsville. Wow. Uh, I was dealing with, rest of soul, Gary Klein uh, oh, on yes. that facility years ago. Yes. So uh, what what kind of things are you are you making some improvements there? You got some? Yeah, well, in, in making improvements, it's a lot of work. Uh, and uh, But uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to is the studio refresh. <laughs> and that is where we take the traditional broadcast uh, type equipment, the consoles, the uh, CD players, uh, the, uh, the in-studio hard drives and things like that, take all that out. And we run just a few uh, cat cables in mm -hmm. and put in a new IP infrastructure. That has been such a huge change in the way we build studios. Boy, years ago, we built a studio. We would uh, count up the number of cart machines and CD players and maybe some turntables, even a reel-to-reel -reel machine, plus microphones, maybe a, a, an input if you brought a cassette recorder in yes. to play an actuality for the news. And we then we'd count them all up. Yes. And we would see that's how many faders we needed on the console. Right. Oh, plus you had to add add EBS back yes. when it was EBS. Yes. Right? EBS. And maybe you had an input for the satellite receiver. Right. That was a newfangled thing back in 1984. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but yes. it's, it's and we had lots of wires. But yes, as you point out, it's it's different now. Yeah. So you're we're taking away the punch blocks and the wiring bays and the routers. Oh, the traditional routers. Yeah. And it's being replaced by an IP based network of components that does all that but in a smaller package easier to operate easier to program and easier to maintain so it, it's technology and part of what this class that i attended uh, this week here has been teaching is those very changes and uh, without uh, knowing the latest it's kind of hard to keep up when you as uh, larry pointed out you know it, this is a good thing you know, in, Na in Nashville, um, some years ago, uh, Cumulus built this Nash facility. Yes. And they had a publishing arm in there. Yes. They had a morning show. 
then they ended up building uh, two additional nice studios. One was for like Nash at Night, which was a yes. nationally syndicated show. Um, and I remember when we, they built the first studio, there was a lot of work to do. There was a whole rack room. Sure. There were computers. There was a whole video system involved. Yes. And, and it was a fair amount of work. And I, I don't know that it was a lot easier than had they used old-fashioned wiring methods. Right. But, but when they added the second studio, mm -hmm. literally, I, I think they ran more than one wire, but literally one Cat6 cable could have carried everything, all the audio, Yes. All the GPIO, yes. all the telephony, yes. all the request lines, uh, everything. And that's kind of where we're getting at. Yeah, cause... gigabit technology, you, you, you spelled it out perfectly, uh, uh, Kirk. It, it's, it is basically a culmination of all you talked about there, but being managed over an IP network that you simply categorize everything and then you program it to your liking and off you run. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it's a different skill set, though. You do uh, as much typing and uh, oh, yes. <laughs> as anything well, else. It's typing, and I, I don't, I don't have them on. They're on the table over there. My reader glasses, because uh, uh, yeah. I've done this for a long time now. Everything is the fine print's hard to read, but uh, with the glasses, and now it's you just uh, select what you want, and you can set up anything you want, route your signals wherever you want, bring in signals you want, without all of the extra equipment that we used to use. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the Martys, the ISDNs. And, you know, you can now do your uh, broadcasting from home or practically anywhere you can get a connection to the outside world. And we've been talking about studios and studio IP technology, yeah. and that's all cool, and everybody needs to learn that. Sure. But um, you also are interested in, in the RF world. I've always been uh, interested in the RF world. I'm a ham radio operator oh, for okay. hobby, so okay. I've loved, always loved uh, dealing with RF. Uh, I have a fond respect for high voltage. But these new transmitters... Uh, drop the voltage and raise the current, so yeah. it's it's a degree safer. You know, you don't have to use the grounding stick at least as often. I still believe in the safe practices. You know, opening disconnects, things like that. But the technology, the transmitters have have stayed up with the the technology. Um, gone are the high powered Russian tubes or American made tubes, and they're being replaced by LDMOS technology. LDMOS is an acronym for uh, I, I know it's metal oxide semiconductor, and I, know what the LD for? <laughs> I it slipped my mind. I knew yeah. it, but I, I'll remember it. It'll, I'll remember it when I'm back over the, uh, there later. But uh, anyway, the, it's very efficient, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's so efficient that you can run a 50 volt supply and up to 600 amps of current, depending on the application. Of course, that is the aggregate amount that's not on one transistor, of course. This sounds like a, a Nautel 50-kilowatt transmitter you're describing. Well, this could be either a 50-kilowatt <laughs> AM transmitter or a 44-kilowatt uh, FM okay, transmitter. Yeah, yeah. And that is the beauty of the technology is you get more efficiency. You have the ability to uh, to have the bandwidth. It's it's um, And just trying to think of all the, the benefits because it, it really is beneficial. Um, you know, the temperatures are cooler, too. Mm. Uh, you're using less air conditioning. You're getting the same output power. You're, you have also a degree of reliability. Whereas on tubes, you have a finite life because the temperature on those components takes its, to its toll over time. And with LDMOS technology on RF circuits, so the power modules, uh, it is a, you're afforded a greater mean time between failure. So oh, that's yeah, one of the yeah. things I like. I also like... Uh, being able to keep track of these things. I can use my computer to log in and read all the voltages. The, um, on the Nautels, for instance, you can look at uh, the, uh, the 
the mask if you're running HD radio, right, or right. if you're just running analog, mm-hmm. you could look at just the regular signal parameters. Just you could also look at like you mentioned a Nautil AM transmitter. On there, you have a Smith chart, and uh, those oh, yeah. engineers out there familiar with Smith charts, uh, you can look and make sure your antenna uh, is is still properly tuned and, and uh, behaving normally. And then if not then you know you have a little job to do at the tower. You know, this is one of the, of the really cool things. Uh, we were talking before the show about uh, my new FM station yes. in Oxford, Mississippi. Yes. Uh, that's about a three-hour drive from here. And uh, we got uh, we took a, a, literally a 10-year-old Nautel transmitter, 2.5 yes. kilowatt. Right. We disabled the exciter in it, and yes. we hosed in the new FM HD exciter. Oh, yes. Turned it on, and we were getting HD um, without, without much trouble at all. Got it on. But uh, it wasn't as efficient as it should have been. And so we called Nautel. Sure. And they jumped into our computer that was on site, yes. got in the AUI. They ran some diagnostics and some optimizations. Right. And you know, some guy in Nova Scotia optimized our transmitter. We got more power out of it. We got really clean on the mask. And isn't that amazing what we can do? With that them? is one that of the thing. beauties of this new technology. And I, I, I dare challenge anybody to try to do that on tube. In that yeah. same fashion, yeah. because you you can only manipulate uh, the bias voltage uh, just so much uh, before you go to lose the, the carrier altogether, or the let's say that the, the uh, drive runs away, and now you're doing more power than you ever imagined, that sort of thing. Well, with the newer solid state uh, technology, the LDMOSs are are they're delicate, but you can uh, with the proper utilization, you can uh, calibrate those uh, to where you can get the optimum performance out of it. Remember how tech support and remote help with the transmitter used to be like in 1986. You'd be on the phone and the tech on the other end of the transmitter company would say, okay, turn the loading control up and kind of peak that output. And I said, okay, I'm peaking it. I'm peaking it. I'm peaking it. Bam! (laughs) I think you turned it too far. I remember. Obviously, you've had your fun with the high voltage. Oh, I guess. So do you take care of some AM stations too? I have, uh, in Huntsville, I have two AM stations I'm responsible for. Uh, both are non-directional uh, AMs. And then there's uh, the FMs, uh, which uh, have three anywhere uh, more powerful ones um, and two translators. Oh, so, okay. Yes. Anything, uh, that's interesting. You know, so many translators are out there these days. Yes. Is there any uh, hints or advice you can give people about, is taking care of a translator any different than taking care of a, a more full-power FM? Easier, harder, it's just smaller equipment? It's smaller equipment. It's really the same. But uh, with any transmitter, it requires the the same care and feeding. You know, you have to, just because it's a lower power signal, you still have to maintain it. You have to make sure your power uh, level is the same as what your license uh, allocates. And you still need to check on it, make sure that that it's uh, following all FCC compliance and uh, it's always a good idea to get out to the transmitter site at least once a week yeah. uh, to check it. And even on small transmitters, check those air filters, too. Oh, that's yeah. critical. I mean, yeah. that's one of the, the new Paramount things. Uh, you, that's because of the temperature of the, uh, the solid-state devices. They're, they're not as forgiving with heat as the old tube devices were. Yes, you can get a hot tube uh, uh, transmitter, but it'll stay on the air and just won't be happy. On the transmitters with the solid state technology, you have to maintain that airflow. Those transistors get too hot and it will shut down. I have this idea 
we'll sell a million transmitters sure. if, if we do this. Here's the idea. So most of these transmitters, you put power in and they put out, oh, about 75, 75% RF and 25% heat. What if we could take the heat in the room and add it to the power that you're feeding into the, the MOSFET? Right. And, and what if what if we actually made the room cooler by sucking heat out of the room to make more RF? Wouldn't that be cool? Well, if it were <laughs> physically possible, yeah. The trouble with that is, is by the time you <laughs> convert that heat to energy, yeah. you're making new uh, heat. heat. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I, we always get heat, no matter what we do. Though. Yes, yes. Yeah. You're always going to have heat. But the, the key there is to be able to manage that heat in such a way where the transmitter is at a happy heat. I see. I guess that's a silly idea. I'm going to have another tequila. Uh, hey, not a bad idea. <laughs> Dominic, man, it's been great talking hey, to you. Great talking to you. I appreciate it. Oh, did, did you have a, a favorite thing that you learned here? Any, any one specific oh, thing? Listen, this class, you know, I've been in this business for almost 40 years. And I will tell you, I, I can't speak for anybody else but myself, but I, I've forgotten a lot of things. And this class has been a great refresher mm. because all the things that Larry has uh, dealt with from the fundamentals, you know, uh, the Ohm's law, uh, the uh, all the various things with uh, voltage and current and RF circuits, the uh, basic RF information, and uh, the other facets we are dealing with now, especially in digital technology, also in the uh, IP world. Mm -hmm. And not all that is changing and evolving. And this class is a uh, wonderful reference. And for any engineers out there, even the young guys that, that just got out of uh, a training school and are aspiring to be engineers, this is a great reference, a great place to come and learn all the broadcast aspects, whether it's radio or television. And uh, there's a lot of great things that I picked up here today, and I'm very grateful for it. There's a great engineer we've had on the show before. His name is Tom McGinley. Yes. And, and uh, I'm going to give you the Tom McGinley test. Okay. Uh, and let's see if you can pass it. Okay. Right. Here we go. Uh, the Tom McGinley one-question test is this. When he's interviewing a, a candidate mm -hmm. for an engineering job, yes. uh, what impedance antenna would you connect to a transmitter with a 50-ohm output to get the maximum RF power transfer to the antenna? I would go with 50 ohms. Yeah, you're right. Yay! Ding, 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 ding. All right. Awesome. Dominic, thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Hey, it's Kirk Harnack. It's episode 685 of This Week in Radio Tech. We're in Hoover, Alabama, at Birmingham, really, um, at the Alabama Broadcasters Association Engineering Academy. we got more coming up after this word from Broadcast Bionics. Camera One from Broadcast Bionics. Designed to bring video to your audio content. Visualizing radio and podcasts for social media. Camera One can automatically create, capture, and brand professionally switched video for live streaming or upload, making your production shareable. Control and configure using a web browser on any device. Camera One is available as a 4-camera or 8-camera system using the Blackmagic A10 Mini range, including the A10 Mini Extreme. You can use cameras to suit your studio and your budget. You'll need one camera for a studio wide shot and usually one camera per microphone. A standard multi-channel sound card or IP driver monitors audio from each studio microphone and we work natively with Axia systems. Ideally, this will be a post-fader feed from each mic, although you can use pre-fade audio or a mic split if that's all you have available. These audio levels are used to intelligently switch the video feed when each contributor is talking. You can also group microphones together into one shot and use the audio from a mixer's aux bus. You can use Camera One's auto switch feature or disable it and switch using the on-screen buttons or the buttons on the ATEM. 
Recordings can automatically start when you tell the system you're on the air. This on-air indication can be linked to your studio's red lights via IP or an Avantech Adam GPIO interface. You can quickly browse all the videos that have been automatically created during your broadcast, download them and post. Camera One is a user-installable system. You'll need a good spec Windows 10 PC, i7 with plenty of storage and 16GB of RAM. It's better if this machine isn't used for anything else. Remember, you can control the software in a web browser on another device on your network. Camera One, a thrifty way of creating scroll-stopping video from your show or podcast from Broadcast Bionics. Thanks so much to Broadcast Bionics for sponsoring This Week in Radio Tech and Camera One, plus lots of other cool things are available from Broadcast Bionics. Just amazing folks. They, they let you do radio with the work you're doing now, but you get more content. And you get more social media sharing and more people excited about your broadcast uh, shows and facility. Okay, it's This Week in Radio Tech, and look who's appeared here. It's well, Josh Bowen. Hi. hi, Kirk. How are you? I'm good. I understand that you're here just for a minute. Just for a minute. I just wanted to I heard you were in town, so I thought I would stop and say hi and say hi to everyone in this fine class. We, we could turn the camera around, but not just yet. Uh, you are a sponsor of this event, uh, the uh, the uh, Engineering Academy, right? Yes. Yeah. Your Max Connect company. Yes, have been since the beginning. So, That's, what, 12 years now? Yeah. What do you, uh, I mean, sure, you want to get your name out there, your services out there, your wireless service, your engineering services. Um, but, I don't have to do my ad. Kirk will do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're getting your, your name and services top of mind for this group of engineers. Aren't well, you? and honestly, I want to make sure that this class is able to continue and that it's able to continue at no charge. I mean, that's the big thing. I've put all my people through here. I've got one here today. So, yeah. Hey, if you'll hold the mic, I got a Max Connect box under under here. It's, oh, it's my little. Kirk gave me the mic, folks. My secret stash. Oh, I'll never get it back now. <laughs> all right, let's see what's in the Max. All Connect right, let's box. see what's in the Max Connect box. So oh, you've got old stuff. Says, I, I need to get you new stuff. I know this is old. Yeah, I need yeah. to get. Yeah, that's old. I need to get you I'm new so, stuff. Th this I was going to put this on Antique Roadshow. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> they would look at it and maybe. go, "This is a vintage specimen." <laughs> What what uh, you 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 got the floor for a minute? What do you want to tell us about Max Connect? We don't sell these boxes anymore. So no, um, these are know, these are dial-up. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, dial-up modems are better than those. Ooh, <laughs> oh no, that? no, no. Um, no, the the wireless service is uh, it's it's a prioritized LTE. We've got it available on all three carriers. Uh, we've got almost fifteen hundred out in the field now. We've we've grown exponentially. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, put a lot of investment into making sure that the, the modems and routers that we're providing are of the highest quality that we can get without having to have the customer spend a fortune. Mm -hmm. We've got, I, and I didn't think to bring it today because I just came from a station in Montgomery, but, um, I brought a router in and showed it to the guys here, our, uh, our CR202, which is our newest cat six modem that has a uh, built-in battery. Oh. And it charges with a USB-C, oh. just a standard 2-amp cell phone. So yeah. if you're out doing something like this and you need to plug into your wire, plug in the wireless, you can literally just take it out, turn it on, and plug it in. You don't have to worry about finding a wall plug. There's no more proprietary power connectors that you can break off or lose or, oh, I just lost this adapter and now none of this will work. It, it It's really slick and it's affordable. It's it's less than 400 bucks. It's It's affordable. Now, you know, it seems like the 5G wireless companies are offering you a know, home internet service with, with a box of some kind. Right. Uh, what does Max Connect do that those things don't do? Why are broadcasters 
better served by your service? Because we run in a higher tier. The, the cell phone networks are tiered and your prioritized stuff runs up in a higher tier, up closer to life safety and E911 and things like that. So if there is a, uh, if there's a bandwidth restriction, like down in the lower tiers where your cell phone runs and the home internet things are a little higher than your cell phone, but they're still not as high as ours. And if there's a restriction on the network, those are all going to get slowed. We, and some of them, sometimes they get slowed to the point where they won't work at all. Yeah, Ours will get slowed, but it won't get slowed ever based on usage. And even when it gets slowed due to excessive usage on the network, it's never going to get slowed to the point where you can't use it. I've only ever known of three instances where someone's connection got slowed due to excessive consumption to where they couldn't do their broadcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're still not even 100% sure that that wasn't because they were using Wi-Fi. Don't use Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's, and, and that I've had to explain that to a lot of people. So I'll, I'll say that here. When you go to an event and you're trying to do a broadcast and you have a codec or something that'll connect via Wi-Fi, right. you think, oh, that's handy. I don't have to worry about a wire. What people don't think about is every cell phone, hold your cell phone up, every cell phone out there that you have Wi-Fi turned on, even if it's not connected to anything, it's constantly pinging all 10 Wi-Fi frequencies. Uh, constant. You multiply that times 500, yeah. and you've got all kinds of noise on the Wi-Fi bands. Yeah. So even if you have your device and your router sitting this right next to each other like this, there's still all kinds of noise on those bands, and you're not going to have a solid Wi-Fi connection. You know what? We have discovered that through 685 episodes of Twerk. <laughs> the one thing that I've learned as an engineer is nobody's Wi-Fi is as good as they think it is. That is exactly right. And TCP IP covers a lot of sins. Yep. If you're getting your email, if you're watching a Netflix movie, which has 10 to 20 seconds of buffering, yep. you can have a problem for a while and you won't notice it. If And if your email is 30 milliseconds too slow coming in, who cares? But if your audio is, you know, yeah. that, it, it's I, like a bad I, kung fu I, movie. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a Godzilla movie. Exactly, yeah. yes. Uh, and, and and that's why you want the prioritized, well, prioritized data, but you also want to be wired whenever you can. Yes. We're, in fact, we're wired right here. Uh, the Alabama uh, Broadcast Association gave us a plug on the wall yeah, to wire to. They've got great internet here. Yeah. So. And, and even places where you think the internet is good, we've done live remote broadcasts in my kitchen with some cooking shows, and we did something for my son, and and the Wi-Fi router literally is 12 feet away. Uh, no, nope. not. It, it's amazing how bad you can learn that your Wi-Fi is as soon as you try to do real-time audio or video. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just unreal. Yeah. And that's not what it's designed for. And to fix this problem, you call who? Max Connect. And that's the we'll have the website maxx maxxkonnect dot com, and it's spelled funny because there's just too much internet. There's <laughs> <laughs> no because if I would have done it with one X, my kid would have got mad. Oh, okay. so <laughs> oh, gotcha. All right, all right. Hey, man, thanks a lot. Yeah, Appreciate thanks, it. Kurt. Thanks for sponsoring my show and this uh, Engineering Academy. Absolutely, good to see you. Good. All right. One of the good guys. It's Josh Bone. All right, we got Sharon up next. Hey, Sharon, can make your way up here. It's this week in Radio Tech. We're live in. Hoover, Alabama, which is, are we in middle Alabama? We're not northern Alabama, central, central Alabama, not L.A. where uh, Larry is from. That's right. This is Sharon. Hi, Sharon. Hey, how are you, Kurt? Good. What's your last name? Tinsley, Tinsley. with a T. Oh, okay. Hi, Sharon Tinsley. Hey. 
We've met before at another one of these functions. We have. Yeah. We have. You've been to our conference many times over the years. Yes. Yeah, yes. indeed. I hope to come back soon, too. We'd love that. Um, so tell me about this event, and then we're going to have some more engineers pop up here. Well, this is uh, somewhere in the neighborhood. I'm looking at Larry at 12 to 15 years that he's been doing this for us and for the industry and for uh, everyone across the country. We started it because there's clearly a need for engineers and we wanted, you know, people said immediately, well, you can't turn somebody into an engineer in a week. Well, we know that. <laughs> but it's as someone said earlier, it's a great refresher. Mm -hmm. So for um, the pros out there, it's a great refresher. And then for we've tried to get a lot of students in here, college age and mm -hmm. master control operators at TV stations and, and those kind of folks who might have an inclination for engineering mm -hmm. to give them a taste of what it's like and what it's about to hopefully reel them in to broadcast. Cool. And now is this, of course, this is just one of a number of things that the ABA does, right? Right. Um, what other engineering events does ABA put on? Well, at our conference every year, Larry hosts an engineering session, which mm -hmm. is all day. He picks the topics, invites speakers, and we normally have an, around 40 broadcast engineers from across the state attend. And then I, I'll give a plug. In March, uh, we are part of a series of a third Thursday webinars that mm -hmm. a lot of the state broadcast associations take part in. Okay. Larry's the speaker on March 21st at noon to talk about the alternate broadcast inspection program. Ah, that's the APIB. APIP, okay. right. APIP, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And then you also have a television version of this too, right? Yes, yes. Larry does a, a week-long intro class for television for this uh, certified broadcast tech engineer, the CBTE class. Mm -hmm. These guys are all going to take a test tomorrow. Have you yeah. talked about that? Yeah. yeah. Larry is selling advanced copies of the test. <laughs> oh, don't get us in trouble. <laughs> but yeah, it's exciting. That, 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 that's it's, that's our bar money. Oh, yeah. well, oh, well, then let me pick the bar. <laughs> but no, it's exciting. And I'm, I'm glad that these guys are here for it. We do TV, but also over the years, we've done um, IT for uh, IP for broadcast. Mm -hmm. And he uh, brings in someone to teach that class. And um, he's also not, not in this setting, but he's also taught many times over live uh, music mixing oh, yeah. for yeah. broadcast. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's so cool. So um, why why is Alabama so active? Is it because of you and Larry? Are there some other conflagrations of talent that come together? Because really, ABA is is an outstanding organization. It's looked up to by a lot of other state organizations. Well, first, that's very kind. And second, it's all Larry. So <laughs> it really is. I mean, how fortunate are we? We've got one of the premier engineers in the entire country. He loves what he's doing. He, I tell him all the time. He makes us look good. He oh, really does. Oh. He's on the forefront of technology. Mm -hmm. He has a real passion for this class and engineers, not just in Alabama, but across the country. He's gone to other states to conduct engineering seminars for them. And we're just really, really fortunate that Larry happens to live in Alabama. Did you know, and we're going to talk to Larry about this toward the end of the show. Did you know that Larry sneaks in to every radio station in Alabama, sneaks into their EAS box oh, yeah. and makes sure that they're doing what's right. That's right. Well, we're very competitive <laughs> down here in case you don't know about our football programs. <laughs> and we're competitive at the ABA. And one of the things we want to have is the best EAS system in the entire country. And we define redundancy here. Uh, and I'm sure he'll yeah. talk to you about that. But we really do. We want to have one of the best. I feel like we have one of the best. And again, it's all Larry. 
Sarah, it's been great to talk to you. Can, Thank you. Are, are, are you allowed to say Roll Tide? Oh, Roll Tide. <laughs> when you and when Josh was saying he had the only baseball cap on that he could have on safely, I have an Alabama helmet in my office. <laughs> I almost went back to get my Alabama football helmet. So Roll Tide. <laughs> well, Sharon, Thank you. roll tide. Thank take, you. take care. Take care. Thank you. All right. It's This Week in Radio Tech. That was Sharon Tinsley. Sharon, what do you do here? Are you the executive director of the whole president. thing? President. Okay, president. I guess that's better than executive director. Hey, uh, Bob was about to come up here. Bob? John. John Mike. Now, well, I was thinking Bob Mike. Did John Bob Mike? No. No, I'll just, okay. Just <laughs> <John Mike. sighs> now, now, you're not one to say roll tide, are you? No, I will say go dogs. How about that? <laughs> I got, so, you know, he, he, the way I feel about sports, and my friends know this about me, I, I'm not a big sports fan. I'm a fan of my friends, and I'm excited for their enjoyment of their sport. Well, I'm glad. Now, is, is, I'm that glad. Good, is that a good way to wimp out on it? Yeah, it is. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Georgia fan in Alabama, so um, let me have my day. You know, y'all have had y'all's day for about 10, 15 years. Let me have my day. So. Well, you know, I live in Nashville, so I kind of have to be a Vandy fan, and that's just not much fun. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid it's not. <laughs> well, so uh, – Tell me about what, what you do and why you're here. I thought you were on the air. What are you doing at an engineering conference? I am an on-the-air personality at WTBF. I do the morning show um, with my wife. Can you believe what? that? Yeah. We you, do the show together. You can't get enough of her at home. you got to have her at work, too. Apparently so. Um, but, no, we, we do the show every morning in Troy, and we enjoy doing that together. And um, our engineer left our station. He retired. He was working for us part-time, and he was working full-time over at Troy University. And he left and got a job um up in cleveland ohio oh so we lost our engineer and before he left he left me larry wilkins number and he said if you have any problems you call larry and uh so um luckily i haven't had to call larry but just a couple of times um but that's probably the best thing i've taken away from this week is the the networking and when i say networking i'm not talking about ip networking and um our acronym what was it a never throw sausage pizza away something like that but um but anyway um i'm talking about networking with people ah, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah and um yeah. that's probably the biggest thing i've taken away this week um besides all of the knowledge about everything from radio broadcast engineering um just getting to know people and, and meeting people because um i know i'm not going to come away this week with an engineering degree and be able to do everything at my station but i'm going to know people that i can contact now and oh, and, yeah. and when i have issues and we can get stuff straightened out pretty quick so that's what I'm real proud of about this week. But um, I'm doing, I'm kind of like the jack of all trades at our radio station, I guess. Um, I do the, the morning show, so I'm an on-air personality, and I do sales. Um, I'm currently the interim general manager for our radio station. I'm the sports program director, and I'm also the uh, custodian and maintenance man at our radio station. Wow. So, so why not be the, why not be the uh, engineer as well? So. Making money hand over <laughs> fist, man. Woo. Well, there's only, four, there's only four or five of us that work there, yeah, and we're all yeah. part-time. Yeah. So we all pitch in and do what needs to be done, and that's what we do to keep our radio station alive and, uh, and viable for our community because that's what it's all about. So being, an, uh, being on the air, uh, you – Probably that informs you pretty well about what needs to be done engineering-wise. Hey, this this doesn't work right. This toggles funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I need to look at at this update on this computer because I was I I did that. I was on the air and yeah. I was interested in engineering, and so I, the two played together pretty well. Yeah, and I've always been in, interested in engineering, and I and I want to learn how to do all this stuff that needs to be done. But you're absolutely right. I'm I'm sitting there in the morning show and I've got my headset on and I hear static. And I know that it's coming from my cue switch and everything. So now what do I got to do? 
when I sign off the radio today and we go to satellite program and what can I do to correct this problem and get the static out of the, out of the uh, queue side of it and things like that. So I'm always constantly working on things. Um, I noticed one day that our left channel was a little bit louder in my car than my right channel. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I spent the next two or three days trying to figure out how do I get the right channel back up at the same volume and why is it doing that? Yeah. So yeah, yeah wow. you're always, you're always just, um, you know, tracking down problems and in our radio station is, small budget so you know we don't have the uh the ip networks like dominic was talking about earlier that would be great to have but we don't have the budget to buy that kind of stuff right now and also we we've still got the you know the analog wires running all over the place the spaghetti room is what i call it because um, it's just all wires everywhere but uh we still got that and uh it, it works yeah and we yeah. can keep and i and i can maintain it so that's what we're doing um, it's interesting. You, you, a minute ago, you, you said you listened to it, you heard an issue, spent the next two or three days, figure out what it is. Sometimes it, it, it's difficult to figure out, is this, am I fixing the symptom or am I fixing the problem? Yeah. Uh, do you have a, your own, uh, uh, compass for your troubleshooting into, you know, when are you satisfied when the symptom's done or sometimes do you worry <laughs> about, did I really find the problem causing that? No, I like to try to find the problem. Um, for instance, we, we switched to uh, Christmas music over the holidays, over Christmas, the, the whole month of December, and I was having a closure that just would not play right. Mm. And uh, it was supposed to be a three-second closure, and it was playing 10-second liners. And, mm. and I was like, this just sounds terrible. And I had to go in there you know, and try to figure it out. And I could have very easily taken all the 10-second liners out and put three-second liners in it, and, and, and it would have worked. But why was it playing the wrong liners was my, my big thing. So I went in there and started tracking through the spaghetti and found two wires that were soldered together, uh, triggering two closures ah, and uh, together. So, yeah. I mean, I made that made that switch and, and got it all fixed, and it sounded great for the rest of Christmas, and I was real proud that I found the problem and fixed it, you know, so not, for, just, not just worked around it. Now, so far, every problem that you've mentioned uh, is, is not a problem with IP. No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably not. Um, and, uh, and we're getting ready to change our automation software <clears throat> out and do something different with our automation. Um, and so that's going to take a lot of wiring and a lot of replacement stuff. So I'm hoping that when we do this, that maybe we can correct some of the spaghetti. I know we won't get rid of it all, but maybe we can thin it out a little bit, you know, and maybe turn it into linguine instead of spaghetti. Back I, there. <laughs> I, I know you didn't ask my opinion, but years ago I was hired in part to get rid of all the spaghetti or get rid of as much as I could at a group of stations uh, in West Kentucky. And, and I spent a lot of time, I'd find a, a wire that didn't go anywhere. And I'd carefully <laughs> trace it back to find out where it came from so I could make sure it wasn't important. Absolutely. But I can tell you right now, if one end didn't go anywhere, it wasn't important. It comes out. Yeah. <laughs> I could start cutting that wherever I wanted to. Yeah, and I've done a lot of that <laughs> at our station. I found wires that weren't being used anymore and removed them and, and pulled them out just to thin out the uh, spaghetti where I can track things down a little easier. Um, but, you know, we were talking earlier in the class this week about color codes and you know, where green is, you know, I think you said green was a negative maybe and white was the hot. Uh, and I, I was there thinking the whole time, not at our station. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the exact opposite at our station. You know, uh, nothing is standard at our station, but we're, we're going we're gonna to get it there eventually, hopefully. How do you feel about the, the test tomorrow? Are you going to take that test? I am going to take it. And uh, I feel good about it because it's an open book test for one thing. Um, so I feel good about that. So I think I can solve my problems and, and hunt them down if I, if I don't know the answer right off the top of my head. So I feel good about the test and I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you. If, if you can phone a friend, you're welcome to call me. Now I may not be able to help you with the question, but oh, yeah, we can, we can chat. I'll get your number before I leave today <laughs> then, <laughs> for sure. 
But I do feel good about the test tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. John Mike, man. Good, you. good nice talk to you. Appreciate good you very to you. much. We are live at uh, in Hoover, Alabama, at the Alabama Broadcasters Association, and it's time for a, a quick ad for one of our terrific sponsors, and that's Innovonics. And Innovonics has a brand new product, almost brand new. It hadn't been out very long. It's a triple tuner. And you know what? I, I should probably get Larry to come back here because we're going to talk about EAS here for just, just a couple minutes. The Innovonics triple tuner is the Innovonics 677. And uh, Suncast might have a, a graphic he can bring up about that. There it is. The triple tuner for AM, FM, and NOAA weather radio. And it doesn't have to be those three things. You can have two FMs and NOAA or, you know, FM and two NOAAs or whatever. Uh, but this is a half rack unit that uh, is made by Innovonics, so you know it's just as cool as can be. You can remote into it to its web interface. You can listen to the tuners by remote, by the web interface, to make sure that they're all picking up properly. And uh, it's got balanced audio output, so that's really cool. It's got three different antenna inputs, so you can, you know, whatever style you need. If you have an AM, one of the tuners is set up for AM, well, you may need to give it a loop antenna. Uh, you may need to give it an FM antenna pointed somewhere for the FM input and NOAA weather radio. You may need a, a you know, a, even a directional uh, weather antenna for that. Point is, this is built to do exactly what you need. It also can give you contact closures uh, if things are going wrong, if you are losing RF, for example, on one of your assigned uh, monitoring stations. And it can also give you, um, I believe it can do, do email or SMS uh, if something goes wrong, too. So, yeah, uh, alarms on audio loss, low signal, uh, if there's an RDS uh, error, um, and also if there is some kind of error with the alert tone, you can get all these alerts to you. Um, oh, sorry there, Siri. <laughs> so, um, Innovonics is so in, in um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Innovative. That's right. Innovonics, innovative. innovative. <laughs> I should have figured that out quicker um, in, uh, in developing their products. And I've got a number of Innovonics products. I don't have this one yet. But uh, you can bet that our next triple tuner is going to be one one of these. Larry, uh, that that is something that's really needed in working with EAS because right now people are using like little radios they buy at a big box store. And yeah, they sit in. It's got a knob that tunes your frequency, and you never can get it right on the right station. Or you get it on the station, and somebody comes by and changes it. And so something like this is really good to uh, to, to get your your monitor sources. I, and I like the feature where all three can be anything you want it to be. Yeah. It can yeah. be all, all of them can be FMs if you want sure. to. It doesn't have to be AMs or, or weather. Uh, so. what, what I also like about this is, of course, if the power goes out, when the power comes back on, they tune back to the same stations. And some tuners off the shelf, like the ones from the big box stores, uh, some that are adapted for rack mount, some of these don't come back on to the station that they were on when the power went off. So that can be a real problem for you. Yeah, I've been to several stations doing inspections, and one of the problems I run into is the, is the monitor sources are not working. Uh, I, I actually yeah. went to a station one time, and you'll get a chuckle out of this one. I went in, and I looked, and one of his monitor inputs was dead. It was not working. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, you know, why don't we just walk around back behind the rack and see if a wire broke off or mm -hmm. whatever. Well, what we found was he was using just a regular old home radio uh, boombox type thing, well, the board operator had unplugged the power supply to it and plugged in his cell phone charger. Oh, so uh, yeah, yeah. Th things yeah. like that don't happen with with the antibiotics. Well, you know, and the enemy is counting on that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Check it out from Innovonics, uh, the 677 triple tuner. Thanks a lot, Innovonics and Broadcasters General Store. That's where you can get your best price uh, from BGS. 
You can go to their website at bgs.cc or call them at 352-622-7700. I was just dealing with uh, BGS yesterday. Talked to Buck Waters, and uh, he's just awesome. They have sharp pencils there at BGS, and you can talk to anybody that picks up the phone, and they will. So call him at Broadcasters General Store. Oh, but great. I love Break. He's awesome. He is. He's 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 a calm he's tall, dude. Too. He's tall and calm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I spent I, I spent a month with him one week. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> and we were touring uh, uh Oregon going to SBE meetings. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's a good fella. All right. Um let's see, what else were we gonna oh yeah, we I, I wanted to tell about the classes coming up. So okay. Classes coming up, and then we're also gonna mention this uh you, you breaking into everybody's EASs uh and uh and check, oh, yeah, checking yeah. those out. And then we'll 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 have some more show and tell. Okay. So anyway, yes, what's, yeah, the, what's the coming next, up? The next class we got coming up is the television class, and that'll be the week of April the eighth mm-hmm. here at the same location. And then our next radio class will be in June, the week of the 24th. And you can register online at the ABA website. It's al-ba.com. And the neat thing about it, and when when Josh was here, he was talking about it, we offer these things at no charge. We don't charge anything for the classes. It's underwritten by MassConnect. Okay. And so uh, they do have to pay $50 for registration, but that's just to hold their seat. Yeah. (laughs) When they get here, it's refunded. Okay. So the total cost is nothing. Okay. Yeah. And I know you guys put that money into Bitcoin and Bermuda securities and things like that. And I hope you don't lose money. You know, I I lost all of mine down at Biloxi. (laughs) Biloxi. That's right. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. Now, I I alluded to something earlier. uh, We're going to have some more show and tell in just a minute, but I alluded to something earlier. And that is Larry Wilkins breaking into all the radio stations in Alabama to check out their EAS gear. Now, what's this rumor about? Well, what we did was, and it came out sort of by accident. I had a call. Oh, yeah, that's what I tell the police, too. It was a complete accident. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All righty. I had a call from the governor's office, Uh which was exciting. But it was, uh, they had run an Amber Alert the night before. Yeah. And the head of the LEO, Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, which which operates the Amber Alerts, he said, you know, we ran an Amber last night. I said, yeah, I heard it. He said, can you tell me how many radio and TV stations received that and relayed it? Mm -hmm. Well. Uh, hopefully or happily, I was on the phone and he couldn't see that I turned red face and all. And I said, well, no, not right now, but it'll, it'll take me a few days to call everybody and find out. Yeah. And I got to thinking about it. I said, you know, there's got to be a way that we can do this automatically. I mean, everything's automation now. And I got to looking at the at the SAGE index and it actually has a section in there where you can send reports of anything that's happened to an FTP site. Oh. So ABA already has an FTP site where they post all their PEP spots. And so I just went in and created another folder called EAS. Yeah. Nice name, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then we go to radio stations and we program that in there. And so everything that they do comes down to our FTP site. We're doing now, I think it's around 170 stations. What? 170 stations. That we're monitoring. FTP their logs to you. That's correct. And I create a database and I, I tell the people when we do it, it doesn't cost them anything. They don't know what's going on. It's in the background. But I tell the managers, I said, we're not spying on you. We just want, as chairman of the SECC, the State Emergency Communications Committee, I want to make sure that my distribution system is working. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I see there's a certain part of the state that's got a problem, 
then I can dig into it and find out what it is. So this just gives me and the rest of the committee a way to look and see if everything is going the way that it's supposed to be. And so we do that and I create the database. We don't, nobody, I don't send it to anybody. I'm the only one that sees it, but I create the database and I look at it. And if I see a station having a problem, I'll contact the engineer and say, hey, you need to check your monitor input number two. There's no audio on it. And they'll say, oh, thank you very much. So, okay. Because, okay. you know, unfortunately, most of these EAS devices sit in a back room. Yeah. And nobody yeah. pays attention to it. Right. And it could go you know, months and not have any audio on a monitor point. So we look at it. I mean, we're watching them. And uh, it's, it's been a good project. I've had a lot of other states call. To find out. As a matter of fact, I did a presentation at the um, at the NAB one year, uh, one of the conferences they have out there about our EAS system. And at the end of the uh, presentation, uh, the room was full of people, and uh, somebody came up to the mic. You know, they always have an interview mic at those conferences, and they said, "How did you uh, How did you get the stations and the managers to agree to that?" I said, "Well, most of them I didn't tell them. I just I just <laughs> went in there and did it. You know, <laughs> so." What, during your ABIP inspection, or or do you just visit them? Uh, mostly during the ABI inspection, but what I will do is when I get into a market, do inspections, and the way I do that, I'll have I'll get one that's due. Yeah. They have to renew every three years. Yeah. Then I'll find somebody else in the town that, that needs an inspection. So I'll do two or three okay. and share the travel expense so they all don't have to pay the whole thing. Yeah. I don't want to triple charge people. <laughs> So, but what I would do is if I have a station in that market that I know is not part of our monitoring system, I'll go by and um, just tell them I want to take a look at as a courtesy of the ABA. Yeah, we yeah. just want to look at your EAS and make sure everything's okay. Because it's, it's required that it be working anyway. Oh, it's yeah. required. Yeah. And now, as you know, the, the new software, <clears throat> 96.0, is out. And we've been working diligently around the state, making sure people get that updated. Yeah, uh, I've actually done a ton of them, getting into their machines remotely and loading the software. And they really appreciate that because a lot of the mom and pop stations don't have an engineer. Yeah. You don't have anybody to do that. So we're, we're just trying to make people compliant. That's all it is. I'm, I'm curious about a couple of things. How often are those logs uploaded to your FTP site? Uh, every second. Oh, oh, okay. They, <laughs> yeah, they, instantaneous. So whenever an event, whenever something happens. That's correct. It sends it. Uh, okay. And then, okay. then what I will do is uh, I haven't found anybody with the knowledge that can write some software that will do it for me, but I've discovered I can go in and purge it out and, and uh, prioritize it and just see what I want to see. Because yeah. I don't keep up with weekly tests and stuff that way. I just keep up with uh, required monthly tests and eyeballs and stuff that way. And, and Amber Alert, of course. And the other question was, you said that you go in and update people's uh, Sage Index with the latest software. Right, right. Um, what is your method uh, generally of getting into there? Do you go to, into a computer that they already have at the station? Sometimes uh, what we've done lately, and we sort of checked into it and discovered it wasn't as much of a security issue as we thought, we'll have an op- open up a port so that yeah. I can get into it. Yeah. And that way, and it, they just leave it, that port open, and then throughout the year or whatever, if they have an issue or something needs to be changed, I can do it at night. They don't even know I got in it to fix it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, as I say, a lot of the mom and pops love that because they don't have anybody to yeah. do it. Gotcha. 
All right. We're talking to Larry Wilkins here at the ABA in Hoover, Alabama. Uh, Larry, we've got a few uh, show-and-tell items to, uh, to talk about. Uh, and uh, plenty of you engineers will know what these things are, but some of these things may be new to you or old to you. You haven't seen one in a while. Larry, what's, what's the first uh, item up for bid? I mean, uh, to, <laughs> that you're going to show us here. Oh, we have a, a drawing. <laughs> this is an AM fill strength meter okay. uh, station. You know, there's still some AM stations around that are directional. Sure. Sure. And so you have to have one of these to go out in the field and make sure that your directional pattern is correct. So we take this out in the field when we do an inspection of a directional station and go out and check it to make sure that it's legal. If you wouldn't mind, close the cover and show us the top next to the handle. Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, the, the lid is where the antenna is. There's yeah. a loop antenna in the lid. That's right. And when you, uh, if you can, if you, well, that's heavy. Man, I forgot, I, I forgot how heavy these things were. But in the top, there's these contacts right here. And right. when you open the lid all the way up, the, uh, the, the ground and, and two uh, other contacts from the yeah, antenna, the, the antenna, loop, yeah. make contact with three points on the uh, radio itself. Sure. And you know this is just a this is a five thousand dollar AM radio. Yes, it is. It's, yeah. a ra it's an AM radio. And yeah. Sometimes you get sort of funny things happen when you go out in the field, and people start looking at you and wondering what you're doing. I actually went out one time on one in Montgomery, and one of the monitor points I had to look at was at a prison right outside a prison. Sure. Yeah. So of I was course. out there with this, and I looked, and all the guards up in the tower had their binoculars, <laughs> you know, like, "Ooh, what's this guy doing?" <laughs> so yeah. Have, have to be careful where you are when you do things. Well, I'm, I'm measuring how long a knife I need to put in the cake. That's right. I always <laughs> say this is an ugly finder. <laughs> <laughs> and that way people leave. When it's they, an ugly finder. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's terrible. Uh, um, this and, is a classic. But by the way, th these AM field strength meters, yes. uh, what else is interesting is when you have one of those and you take it through uh, security at the airport. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that, they, have, they have a lot of questions. This is the old uh, Simpson meter. Uh, everyone now has a digital meter, sure. but this can do things that a digital meter can't. I was just going to ask you. Audio. It can see audio. You can read audio on this. You can't do that on a digital. Right. You can read decimal audio. That's right. Yep. That, yep. That's exactly right. And we use this a lot uh, in the class here and showing different things and showing how capacitors and inductors work and everything. And the, this is a real classic. You don't see many of them anymore. There are other analog meters. The Simpson is kind of like the gold standard because right. everybody kind of knew. There were tens of thousands of these, if not more, made, and they were in classrooms. And if you took electronics back in the 50s or 60s oh, yeah. or 70s, you'd, you'd have one of those. Yeah, you need to have one. I, uh, I had another one a long time ago, and I say they're rugged, but they're not rugged when they fall off the ladder. I was actually up on a ladder doing oh something, and, uh, and it decided it wanted to go this way, and when it did, it it busted the case, wow. but you, wow. sometimes you can find these on eBay and all. So yeah, yeah, I've got one. I'm not sure what radio station I stole. I mean, I borrowed it from. Uh, so. <laughs> all right, we are here at uh, the ABA, Alabama Broadcast Association. Kirk Harnack, Larry Wilkins. We have a. Uh, I don't know if we have anything else to show and tell or not. We got one quick commercial break, and then we'll have just a uh, time for a tip of the week when we come back. Our show is brought to you in part by Angry Audio. What a name, Angry Audio. Uh, they're in. Uh, they're actually in Franklin, Tennessee, just down the road from Kirk Harnack's world headquarters for This Week in Radio Tech. But Angry Audio has this new audio console. And hey, Suncast, I'm sorry to spring this on you, but let's take a look at the Rave console from Angry Audio. Now, this is, this is not an audio over IP console. This is not even a digital console. This is an analog audio console. Uh, it has a lot of modern conveniences on it, though. 
So if what you need is a standalone console that's easy to hook up and easy to use because the, the visually it's just really well done. Hey, Suncast, stay there. That looks great. On the back of the console, it has all of these, they look like Ethernet connectors, but they're not. They're, they are RJ45, you know, they're, they're Ethernet sockets. And this is where you plug in your audio inputs and outputs, all according to the Studio Hub standard. You can install one of these consoles and not have to do any soldering whatsoever. You just use Studio Hub adapters. Uh, some equipment already comes with a studio uh, output or input, and you just you know plug a piece of Cat5 cable between uh, the uh, the piece of equipment and and the uh, the, the console. Uh, it does uh, have mic preamplifiers in it. Uh, it's got it'll do mix minus for handling a codec or a phone hybrid, and uh, it's really well built and it's and it's it's a heavy little dude. But this is a beautiful console for a small room uh, or to, to run your whole station. Uh, you can, if you're doing uh, maybe an LPFM, maybe a, a web streaming radio station, this is a great choice uh, it, for a control room or a, a production. Really, the power supply is built in, um, and and it's it's but it is just heavy duty. It's really awesome. I must say the mic preamps on these things. This is designed by Mike Dosh, and Mike has designed all kinds of uh, audio gear, including uh, remember Pacific Recorders, PR and E. He designed some of the gear at PR and E. And uh, uh, my goodness, it works so well. Of course, it plugs right into other equipment from um, Angry Audio, including their mic preamps and processors. If you want to do some uh, mic processing before you go in the board, uh, if you have that USB audio interface, well, that has Studio Hub connectors on it. So you can plug them right into that. There's a whole line. Well, here we go. We're looking here at a whole line of audio processors, uh, mic tally gadgets, USB audio gizmos. Uh, there's a couple different mic processors, the Bluetooth gadget. So you can run your phone uh, right into the board that way and, uh, and have a two-way conversation with, with somebody on your cell phone. Really cool. Check it out. The website is angryaudio.com, angryaudio.com. And uh, then you can buy these through your favorite dealer. They, almost every dealer on the planet of broadcast equipment uh, carries Angry Audio. So you need to check it out. and You'll enjoy what you get from Angry Audio. Um, well, it's maybe it's time for a, a, a tip or a final word of the week. We ha we didn't get to, to everybody who maybe said they wanted to to uh, to come be on the show for a minute. Yeah, we had a bunch of people here. So. I, 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 Lloyd keeps looking at me. Do you think he might want to uh, say hi and be on the show? No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, now, and and Lloyd is a new engineer, isn't he? Yes. Okay. Yes. He's building a brand new station. Lloyd, pop on up here for a second. I've, you know, most of these guys have been engineers or around radio stations a long time. You, on the other hand, are you, are you a little bit new to this whole idea? Yes, I'm very new. Um, I do have an engineering background, so I'm not totally lost. And yeah. I, I am familiar with ham radio because I have my ham license. But, oh, okay. Um, this broadcast is very different. Um, so tell me what, what kind of license you got and what you're I doing. Have general, I have a general license. Mm -hmm. I mean, for our station. Yeah, well, tell me about your station. Have an, yeah. We have um, an edu a non-commercial um, educational license, yeah. um, Class A license. And so we got permission to build. And so that's where we are at. We are located in Roanoke, Alabama. We are a wellness lifestyle center. I'm uh -huh. a lifestyle coach um, helping people. Um, living a healthier lifestyle mm -hmm. through lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm the guy who they put <laughs> to um, lead out, help us to get our license. Awesome. Um, I'll tell you this. Um, 
we have our consultant and he was telling us things that you need to yeah. get. And, yeah. you know, I mean, Larry answers my questions and he and Franklin, they've been very patient. But when our consultant told me, so you need to get um, nitrogen gas and you need to have like um, a dry air with desiccants for your transmission line. Right. You know, as a ham radio, I'm thinking transmission line is regular coax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's like telling me to keep things dry. I had no clue. But in fact, when Larry brought out right in the corner and showed me what the transmission line was, and he explained it, oh, it's a big tube ah, like this. Yeah, if you, yeah. if you just for show and tell for is, a moment. Is it over? Oh, yeah, here. Right, you, right you, here. you hold the mic. I'll go grab it. So this is a piece of, I would call this hard line. Hard line, hard yeah. Line. And this is not flexible. <laughs> no, it's you not. Cut this to length, uh -huh. and you use elbows where you need to make a turn. Right. And of course, and people watching the show know what this is. But there's an inner conductor. Yes. And an outer conductor. Uh, uh huh. And the and, inside is hot. And, and, we, and we need to keep that dry between those two. Yes. Otherwise. Otherwise, you can have arcing on the inside, and yep. you um you need to keep the temperature so it doesn't get too too hot, and you don't want it to get wet. Right. Now I understood when he showed me this picture, it's like, oh, what yep. the consultant. And then he, and now I know why I would need to get nitrogen gas. And through this class, things, things are like thrown at me. I'm not quite sure the reason why and how things hook up. And yes, there's a price involved, but how do I choose which one is best? Because he said, this is okay and this is okay. But it's like, okay, choose which one. This class explains so much to me that I can make. Um, better de decisions and for our president, I can say, well, this is what our consultant says, but this is what we can go with. Explain so much. Now, as a uh, as a 45-year engineering veteran, uh, I'll give you a piece of advice. You got several choices on on your on the 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 uh, uh, air that you put into your your uh, transmission line, okay. uh, and in and to keep it dry. Then, and you don't have to put much pressure in. You're just trying to keep moisture out. That's it. Okay. Right. So a pound or two works, five pounds works. You don't need 10, 15 pounds of pressure. And you can use, you mentioned uh, dry air. They have these pumps that, that, uh, that get air and run it through a desiccant, like you said, that dries it, right? You yeah. can use bottled nitrogen. Uh, some people buy a nitrogen generator that actually gets nitrogen out of the atmosphere. But I'll tell you this, okay. if you will get a tank of laughing gas instead, you will have a much better time, you know, when things go wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you see, I don't have much here. <laughs> so it's like, I might need some. <laughs> Anybody ever tried laughing gas instead of, no, no, I mean, for your transmission line. No, okay. <laughs> I think you might have to have a prescription for that. I don't, that was a remote. That's right. Uh, and, and I'm not sure helium is a good idea, but it makes the tower lighter. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm appreciative um, for him explaining how everything is connected together mm -hmm. and how antennas work. Yeah. Because, you see, we thought it would be easy. We have a consultant and we got approved. But um, where we're supposed to put the antenna, that's not working out. And so we have to um, look for other options. And it's like he's changing the length and the power. And I'm thinking, okay. This might, a water tank is only this high. How is that going to work? And that might not be bad. But then he says, we can build, put our own tire up and then go this high. I'm, but wait a minute. The FCC says we can only go this high. I'm wondering, um, how is this 
this very isn't making sense right, to me, this right. variable. But then in this class, it says, yes, you don't, you're not bounded. This is the requirements for the ERP and the height and so forth. And you could change things around. And it's like, okay, things of what our consultants um, was telling is telling me was making more sense yeah. and how, to, how things work and how things be put together. You know, it's like that with so many disciplines. If you want advice on working uh, the HF ham bands, it's best to talk to another ham yeah. who works the HF ham bands. Yes. If you want to learn about, you know, VHF or UHF propagation, then, you know, talk to somebody who does that. Yeah. And same thing for broadcast. Uh, a lot of us are, are ham operators or ham licensed, but uh, not everyone knows about all the varieties of where and how you can change your FM antenna yeah. height and power and that what options you have. And the number of bays is like, okay, we're not um, locked into two. You could go to three or yeah. four, and then you look at the cost issues. Oh, okay. So, I, you know, and I look at that. Some stations, I've seen stations with a 14-bay antenna and a little bitty transmitter. I'm thinking, all that money is up there on the tower. And if anything goes wrong, we got to hire a crew and go off the air to maybe fix it. Whereas, you know, uh, if, the, if the money's on the ground with a bigger transmitter, I can fix it. But and there's a lot of trade-offs there. Yeah. You know, you don't want one bay and a 100,000-watt transmitter either. No, and it's like <laughs> so, redundancy, 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 yeah. have backups. So I'm very appreciative of Larry and this class. Cool. And I've learned a lot and I appreciate it so much. Well, Lloyd, thanks for making the trip up here. Appreciate yeah. you. And uh, Lloyd uh, is here along with a bunch of other engineers. And, hey, we're out of time. We got to go. I want to thank Larry Wilkins for uh, inviting me down here and, and, uh, give us, uh, and for putting this thing on. Uh, for the engineers that are here, they do this a uh, couple times a year for radio and for television and the usual uh, ABA convention. All this is, uh, you can find out about this at the ABA website. You can, of course, Google Alabama Broadcasters Association. You can go to al-ba.com. Is that right? Al, as in Alabama-ba, Broadcast Association. Uh, com. We'll put links to that in the show notes. Thanks to all of our sponsors on This Week in Radio Tech. I hope Chris makes his way out of the woods and finds some internet. And we'll see you next week on This Week in Radio Tech. Bye-bye.